You want your Burt Show in one full show every day, uninterrupted, and dang it, you don't want ads. No problem. Become a bonus Burt Show subscriber. Find out more at thebirdshow.com slash bonus BS. The Burt Show. All right, so if he or she is demanding that you clear your social media of all pictures from exes, is it a big old red flag or not? Who's got the email? I got it. Trigger warning. Briefly mentions domestic abuse. Hey, Bird Show. Welcome, Abby. P1 here, needing some help. I'm a divorced mom who has recently re-entered the dating world. Previously, I was in a relationship that started in 2005 until the divorce in 2018. Now, with nearly 20 years of that public history on social media and two kids later, I've been seeing someone new for several months. The divorce was the result of a domestic violence situation, so I prefer to remain anonymous. Since the quote-unquote someone new found out the reason for the divorce, he understandably finds it difficult to comprehend how I can have such a peaceful relationship with my ex after everything he's done. I refuse to allow my ex to steal my peace, and I have to co-parent with him. So I'm just living my life and not dwelling on how he treated me in the past. Anyway, Facebook memories have created a bit of an issue today. I posted a few of my family and kids, nothing with the ex, and he sent me a picture from that same day that I didn't share of me and my ex, jokingly asking if I was going to share that one too. Mm. I didn't find it amusing. Issue number one, that post was from 2010. I saw the memory but didn't share it meaning he really went that far back through my history to get the screenshot. Okay, just hit pause. Bert, I want you to fully understand what this man did. She shared a memory on her Facebook page from 2010. Mm -hmm. He went to her Facebook page, Mm -hmm. had to scroll Mm -hmm. and scroll and scroll all the way back to 2010 to, to save a picture of her and her husband to text it to her and say, hey, are you gonna share this one too? Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a Big That's a big old problem yeah, right there. Red flag? I mean, we've all stalked our new love interest on social, right? Not back to 2010. Mm-mm. But maybe I just feel like it's the actual admitting it part that would make me feel crazy. For the record, I don't think he's crazy, but I do think he's torturing himself, and it's not healthy, and he agreed. Issue number two. He doesn't understand why I don't just take the photos down if it bothers him to see it. He says he will accept it and respect it if I decide to leave them up. But in his mind, the obvious route would be to just delete it all so it doesn't hurt him. Why can't he just refrain from looking at the last 20 years of history if it bothers him so much? Those photos are a part of my story. Our relationship wasn't always ugly. And as those memories pop up, I can show my kids their story. Because in my mind, mine and my ex's story is their story. He says as a child who lived through similar circumstances, any picture of my ex just kind of triggers him. Never been through that trauma, so maybe I don't get how he relates one to the other. We've tried to talk it through and understand each other's perspectives, but this one has left us both without a clear idea of how to move forward. He's trying to tell me he understands, while it's clear he's still hurt. I don't want to intentionally hurt him, but I don't feel like I should have to erase part of my past to make him comfortable. I also understand how tempting it can be to look even if you know it's not healthy. Thoughts? Am I completely out of touch after being out of the dating world for so long? Hmm. Is it the norm to delete everything from one relationship as you move into the next? Thanks, friends. P.S. If it matters, this is the first red flag I've seen in months. Literally everything else has been amazing, and I had convinced myself that I found the one. So I think there's a couple of things to dig in here on. And here's where I get tripped up. And I'm wondering if Cassie does also, because we are fiercely independent in committed relationships, which sometimes can get really, really tricky. Because at the end of the day, when you're married or you're engaged, you're part of a team, right? But where do you draw that line in a case like this? You're not doing anything wrong at all. This dude clearly is bothered by it, and he's got the problem, right? Where do you draw the line of going, this is not a me thing. This is a you thing. I'm sorry that you're hurt, but you are sacrificing yourself if you if she deletes all of these because she's doing nothing wrong. This has been over 10 years ago. But you also want to be sensitive, and you never really want to hurt your partner so where do you draw that line of like, this is a you thing, not a me thing. You deal. 
Man, that's a tough one. I don't think I have the answer because I still struggle with that. And if I were in this situation, I'd be sharing more pictures. I, I literally would. And I would double down. I'd be like, Abs-. for me, it's you don't get to tell me what to do about my past. That was my past. That is my life. You weren't a part of it. It's very much real. You don't get to control that. Us moving forward together, you have an impact and a say in my life now because I'm choosing to be with you and vice versa. So I think if it were like, if my partner broke down and was like, this really hurts me deeply to my core and like had an emotional plea, like then of course I'd listen, but this kind of behavior would just make me double down and be like, absolutely not. I need to draw the line Mm -hmm. real hard so you understand you are here because I want you here. Mm -hmm. You don't get to control me. Right. What I find really frustrating about this situation is he's kind of conjuring up a a problem from thin air because it would be one thing if she had gone back, found that photo from 13 years ago and made the decision to share it and be like, look what I did 13 years ago with my ex-husband. But he's going back 13 years and then projecting. It's almost like he's trying to manipulate her by by saying that he's triggered by these by the circumstances from his childhood um, and saying, well, seeing him reminds me of that. Well, you didn't have to see it. You went back 13 years to see it. She didn't share it. Mm-hmm. It's a him thing. It is a him thing. It's a him thing. And I don't even know that this is a huge red flag or anything, but he certainly is feeling insecure about it. And what do you think? I agree. I would have a conversation with him because um, she said everything else, literally everything else has been amazing. So to me, if this is the one thing, it's it's a red flag, but I don't think it's a, I don't think you should leave. I think it's a conversation. You have to let him know this isn't okay and you got to work on this on your own. All right, so we have uh, time to cover one more email before um, we're out of time. And if you ever have a dilemma, you can always hit us up at thebirtshow.com. The email's producer at thebirtshow.com. And this one is all about whether or not you reveal your body count. (laughs) And um, Abby, for those that may not know, what does body count mean? Body count is how many people you've done the sex with. Did you just go more country? (laughs) I think we went to Charleston all of a sudden. (laughs) What I do declare (laughs) my body count is how many times I have been intimate with a a manly collar. Uh A gentleman collar. (laughs) How many gentleman collars have been in your bed chamber? (laughs) (laughs) All right. so this one says, Burt Show. How are you, radio fam? May I get some quick advice on something that might potentially get asked. I'm getting back to serious dating, and one thing I'm scared to maybe get asked in the future by whoever I'll date is this question. What's your body count? Or how many people have you slept with? I was quite the randy young man in my mid-20s and lost count after 50. Now in my late 20s, I'm past that. If I'm ever asked that question, do I lie even though I believe in being very honest, or do I take that to my grave? I feel like I'll be heavily misjudged or scare them off. Sincerely, (laughs) he signed it Austin Powers. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so body count. Mm -hmm. To be honest or not to be honest? I think you should be honest. I mean, I think a lot of people believe that the past doesn't matter, or at least they live their lives as if the past doesn't matter. So I think you should own who you are. Whatever you have done, I think you should want to be with somebody who's going to accept you for who you truly are. And if you have to lie to them to be with them, then why do you want to be with them in the first place? So I think you should be completely honest. To me, it's not about a specific number. So even if you lost count after 50, I think the only thing that counts is how you view how sex plays out in a relationship. So, for example, I dated a guy who had a much larger body count than me. It was like well over 200. And so we had had a conversation about how that affected his view on intimacy and like how we like had differing views. And so to me, it's more about like, what role does that play in your life rather than like, I slept with 400 people and now I'm a hoe. I mean, I don't think it's any of your business. Like if you ask me my body count, I'm going to be like, that's my past. I'm living in the present. And I don't, it's none of your business how many people I've slept with. Even if it's marriage? Like if it's somebody you just dating, I understand that. But yeah. if I'm going to marry you, I would probably want to know. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Absolutely. That number's going to like play a part in... Well, remember, it's kind of like what I said before of like background checks. It's yeah. like if you're going to give somebody the rest of your life and invest everything that you have, which is your personal self, into them. Like, yeah, I would kind of want to know where you come from, where you've been, and why you live the way you did. Oh, we're gonna, we, we are going to expand upon this tomorrow on The Burt Show. Well, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> the Burt Show. All right. Is it weird to ask your brother or uncle for sperm? Now, I want, uh, hear me out. Hear me out. No, okay. Let's under here. Yes. Hear me out. This is a rhetorical question, right? Yes. Okay. It's a rhetorical, it's, it, of course it's well, weird. Well, yeah, maybe. 
So hear me out. I was having brunch with my niece and her girlfriend and my son Jimmy was there and they were, you know, complimenting Jimmy. And then we were talking about like behaviors that Jimmy has gotten from me and behaviors Jimmy has gotten from my husband. Because you can see bits of yourself and your child. We've talked about this recently on the show. What do you see in that's you and what do you see that's Bart? Yes. like what, you're No, ch- like what do you see? I'm asking. Oh, well, like what we've talked about before on the show, like my energy level, <laughs> like, you know, Crackhead Jimmy is Caffeine Kristen. Like mm-hmm. it's they're like they're one of the same. <laughs> and um, my husband is very like methodical, and Jimmy is very methodical. And so like he will line up his trucks. He's very like he's he's particular in that aspect, and that's very See. much my husband. You actually posted something so cute on your Instagram story of like that stance uh-huh. that Jimmy does, and you said it was like mm-hmm. your dad. And I just think thought that was so sweet to see a little bit of your of your father. No, that's not my dad. Oh. That's my husband. Oh, just kidding. Never yeah, mind. no. I- so that's and that's what we were talking about because that's her side of the family. So Jimmy has a stance with the hands on the hip and you take your wrist and you bend them backward. My husband stands like that. My father-in-law stands like that. My, um, my brother-in-laws stand like that. Like that is a Mattingly trait through and through. And even my nieces on that side stand like that. Yes. It's fascinating. So that's so crazy. That is exactly what we were talking about at brunch. And so my niece is like, yeah, she's with her girlfriend. And she was like, we were having this conversation of like, I wonder what traits our kids, like if we have a kid, what trait our kid will have of mine and what kid, Mm -hmm. you know, what our kid will have of yours. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. And then she goes, wait, because her girlfriend pointed out that's not possible. Because if you're in a lesbian couple, the child isn't going to have traits of both of you. It's only going to have traits of one of you because you can only use one of your eggs. You get what I'm saying? Unless a lot of the behavior is learned. Like the, like Jimmy might be standing like that because he has learned it from Bart. Maybe, but we're talking like DNA wise, uh-huh. okay? Like some some DNA traits because there are like there's that that there's some truth into that. Your DNA, obviously, you've created this child, so your mm-hmm. DNA, not just how you're raising this child, you're going to see yourself in that child because of the DNA. Some are learned, but some is DNA. So we were all just kind of like, and I was I was like my niece. I was like, oh yeah, that's gonna be so cute. And then she's like. No, no, no. I did the same thing as you. And then she had to point out to me, that's not going to be the case. It's only going to be one of us that is going to have that DNA impact on the child because it can only be one egg. So then I, we didn't have this conversation at brunch because you don't really do sperm chat at brunch. That's <laughs> Got egg weights coming, I mean, to and yes. from everybody here. The last thing you want to be talking about is I it. didn't want to eat my soft scrambled eggs while talking about sperm, okay? So later on, I was thinking and I was like, that is kind of a bummer because you want both of your families, like she wanted both of her families to be represented with the child. So it got me thinking, what if she used her girlfriend's egg, but she got her brother or one of her uncles to donate the sperm? So you have that familial trait in your child, but it's somebody from your family tree, which presents the question, Interesting. would it be weird to ask your uncle or brother to donate the sperm so you could have a child with your partner that also has some of your family DNA in it. We're all sort of chewing on this. I can see everybody kind of looking up, like wondering, how can this work? So it would be, so for instance, if it, like if she used uh, her uncle's sperm, um, it would be his great niece and daughter. Yeah, isn't that... Weird, like if you use your your brother's, not sperm. with the, not with your egg, with your partner's egg. Right, right, but that's still your half sibling. Then no, your half nephew, your nephew. That would be your nephew because it's your brother's child technically, even though it's your child. Yes, genetically, it would be your brother's child. That's so right. it would be your either son or daughter slash niece nephew. Correct. So you would be the mother to your own niece or yes. nephew. Yes. Whoa. Yes. You'd be wow. mama aunt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I could do that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be cousin. If you're using uh, your uncle. If you're using if you're, your brother's yeah. sperm, yes. But if you use your uncle's sperm, then you'd be mama cousin. Mama cousin. <laughs> Damn. But, like, like I said, if you are a same-sex couple yeah. and you want to have family traits from both sides... 
Mama cousin makes sense. <laughs> maybe maybe it's, it's it's weird or not, depending upon the region of the world you ask the question in. <laughs> you see, we're all from Kentucky, so I felt like this was a completely suitable question to ponder. This does have reality TV show. Kentucky reality TV show plan. <laughs> all I mean, over it. Written all over it. <laughs> Mama cousin. That's <laughs> <laughs> the Burt Show. The Burt Show. Okay, Burt Show. You have four pills laid out in front of you, okay? You can only pick one to ingest. The first one is a red pill. <laughs> and if you invest, ingest the red pill, you will be rich. Okay. Okay. That is pill number one. Like stupid wealthy? Stupid wealthy. Okay. Like planes, private planes. You got islands. Rich, richy rich. Billionaire status. Wealthy. Okay. Okay. Generational. Okay. So Jimmy will never have to work a day in his life. Your son. Okay. Second pill is a blue one. You can bring somebody back from the dead. (gasps) Oh, wow. Any questions about that one? No. Okay. <laughs> Will they be like in zombie form or human form? No, they are in human form. You could play dodgeball with them. Okay. <laughs> if, you, if you hit them, a body part's not going to fall off. <laughs> They're not. Okay. Totally safe. Okay. I'm bringing back Michael Jackson because he sings as a human and a zombie. <laughs> Whoa. I oh, was deep. Um, the third <laughs> pill is the yellow pill. And the yellow pill makes sure that you never feel any pain, physical. Emotional, I guess. Whatever. Never feel pain. Okay. Okay? And the fourth pill is the black pill. You never catch a disease. Mm-mm. Okay? Which one of these four are you taking, Bircha? Which pill? Blue. Blue? You are bringing back somebody from the dead. Oh, yeah. I'm bringing my dad back. Bringing your dad back. I mean, okay? easy peasy. Watch you bring your dad back and then you get hit by a bus. <laughs> 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 that's like, none of your pills are going to help me. Sorry. You didn't take the, um, you know, um, never catch a disease. So, uh, well, what, what kind of disease is getting hit by a bus disease? <laughs> it's called busophobia. <laughs> you're going to bring him back. He's going to sit down and you're going to get hit by a bus and your dad's here lonely. It's the okay. Regina Georgification of Kristen Klingshirt. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> All right, Cassie, which pill are you taking? Red. I'm rich. Rich. Give me the money. Yeah, rich. But, you know what? The the disease free would be nice, but at the same time, if you have a lot of money, you can pay for the best treatments, mm. pain, whatever. I'll be rich. So I'll just roll in my money and feel better about things. Never thought I would hear Cassie say, I'm going to take the red pill. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to take the red pill. Make me rich. Okay. Mo? I'm, I see I'm torn. And this is, but this is going to sound dark. You but if I'm do, being honest, you can't do a combo. No, both. no, okay. I can't, I can't split right. them. No, you can't. I would take red because at first I thought blue, but then I figured like if I bring my grandma back, she's going to still be old. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So I mean, how I much? Mean, what time, if she die again next week? How much? And I'm, now I'm still broke. <laughs> what did I really accomplish? That's wisdom, right there. That is a very good point. You and I have different definitions of wisdom. <laughs> Give me a red pill, ma'am. Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Abby, which one are you taking? This was a hard decision because I was like, it would be nice to never feel pain, but then I remember I numb my emotions anyway. <laughs> so I'm going rich. I'm going red pill. Really? I want to be. I want to be like billionaire ruining the environment. Stupid rich. I would <laughs> love that. <laughs> I want to have multiple planes. I want ozone layers to be destroyed yes. because of me. I want that much money. <laughs> just you, just leave this huge carbon footprint, and you don't care because you're so rich. Yep, exactly. I love how even though I went first and chose the blue pill to bring my dad back, you guys are all like, "Give me the money." <laughs> I wasn't. I was going with the black pill. I was never catching a disease. Oh, Oh, really? Uh-huh. Because I figure if you're not going to catch a disease, you could live longer and he- not only a long life, but a long, healthy life. That, that costs that- money. <laughs> How long, healthy? That's why we went rich. Well, you can still get hit by a bus, too. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And help. clearly, all of you guys want to be rich, so I will be asking you guys for money. Mm-hmm. We're all friends. <laughs> can pay for your treatment. I couldn't believe all the, like, most people said, be rich. Really? More than any other, yeah. That's the power of money. (laughs) It's the power of money. All right, Romeo, you think you might have screwed up badly and need parents' advice to let you know if you went over a line. Yeah, you know, I think I might be justified in what what the situation was, but, you know, 
owner of Run It By, the moms of the Bird <laughs> Show, but the dad of the Bird Show, the big brother of the Bird Show, and Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to you. She's a cat mom, Romeo, okay? Uh, No, yeah, so the... uh, Sorry, I thought about that earlier, and I was like, I'm going to do that. So uh, the other day, uh, like a few weeks ago, I got invited to a friend's house, and it was uh, like a family get-together, and it was like um, just like... I think they were celebrating a birthday, and... Obviously, there was, like, all these other people in there as well. And there just so happens that there was this one family with this one little monster. Um, <laughs> I mean, <a> child. <laughs> um, I was going to say another M word, but uh, it was this little kid. And he, I, I don't know what happened, but I... Do you I, know the age? Can you guesstimate? I'm going to say, like, five. Okay, all right. Like, big enough to kind of talk and... <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Is that not like five? No, this is, they, when do they, they start talking? Such a young single. Get the, yeah, I okay. totally feel you. Okay, yeah, I'm so what you do, bro. They, <laughs> I have a two-year-old, and he's not like talking like super coherently, but I'd say like talking, talking, three. Okay. Okay, so I'll say between three and five. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere around there. Okay. Like small enough for me to like lift my knee up and like go hit him in the head okay. kind of situation. All right, gotcha. But <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. So, so as soon as I walk in and I say hello to everyone, I meet the families and like I say hello to like this. This wasn't part of her family, but this was part of like the, like a family friend. And as soon as I see this little kid, it was like we made eye contact and like the energy, like it was immediate. Like he didn't like me. Mm-hmm. I could tell. And I was just like, okay, that's weird. And then like, <laughs> I'm saying hello and out of nowhere, I feel somebody kicking me. And I'm like, I look down, I'm thinking it's like a dog or something. And no, it's like the little kid. He's just literally kicking me Mm -hmm. for no reason. I'm like, okay, that's weird. He's trying to alpha dog you. Yeah, and I try to push it off. I try not to like mind, pay attention to it. Like just mind your business, whatever, right? And so then I we're sitting down in the living room. This is like minutes later. And out of nowhere, this kid just comes over and runs by and just... Like drive-by slap? Yeah, just hit me in the head and just (laughs) runs off. And I'm like... (laughs) Like to the back of the head, to the no, face. like in my, like in the side face, kind of. So he bitch slapped you. It was a yes. That's kind of what it felt like. I was like, okay, I'm his bitch now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, I felt so offended. You got bitch slapped by a three year old. Yes. Okay. Now, are the parents witnessing no. any of this? No, no, no. So the parents okay. are like in the backyard outside. Okay. We're inside, and all the little kids are running inside okay. the house. Like we're in the living room, and they're all running around. So he does it, hits me in the face. Just runs off. And I'm like, all right. Like, I'm I'm starting to get irritated at this point. Because, like, you already kicked me when I first walked in, and now you're doing that. You're getting bullied by a five-year-old. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, all right, whatever. And ne- next thing I know, he does it again. Come on. You didn't have your head on a swivel. No. <laughs> I should have saw this one coming, man. <laughs> the second one is my fault. Okay. Yeah, the second one is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Fair enough. But then I tell, I tell my friend, I'm like, dude, like, Tell him to chill out. Like, that's kind of annoying. Like, tell him to relax. The parent or just a friend? The friend. I told my friend because, like, she knows him better. Okay, gotcha. She gotcha, knows gotcha. the little kid better. So I'm thinking that maybe, like, if she tells him something that he'll listen because mm-hmm. he's not going to, he's clearly not listening right. to me when I say stop. And <laughs> Nah, he thinks you're a bitch. <laughs> but now you're <laughs> snitching on him. He thinks you even more. So this is where it gets weird. Like, as soon as she says stop, he looks at me. And then just charge right at me. Like a bull in a matador. Like just starts hitting me and just starts like slapping me in my face, trying to hit me. And I'm just like, stop, stop, stop. He's not stopping. He's just going, going, punching me, hitting me as much. And I'm just like, okay, enough. So I grab his hands. Uh Uh-huh. I put him to the side of his body. You restrain him. Yes. And then in that moment, he also kind of threw himself. And I wasn't going to drop him, so I just kind of slowly put him down. He was going for the flop. Yes. Oh, so this kid is a bit. Now I'm holding. his first rodeo. Nah. <laughs> You're not the first bitch he slept. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm holding him, and I put him on the floor, and I tell him, stop. And I say it with a, like a more serious tone, and mm-hmm. I think that freaked him out. Yeah. So then he goes into Yeah, you're a strange mode. man. Like, well, holding like, him on the ground yeah, they, they, he was and yelling cl- at him to stop. He was intimate enough where he could slap him around a little bit. Yeah. So then he starts crying. He gets up, runs to the backyard, straight to the mom, and tells her that I hit him and that I threw him on the floor, basically. <gasps> okay. 
And so now the mom comes in and she she's coming in to question everyone and she starts basically just going off. Mm-hmm. You had witnesses though, right? Yes, my friend. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to her like, no, like your child was hitting me like nonstop and I'm trying to put like, trying mm-hmm. to tell him to stop and he wouldn't stop. She was not like having any explanation. Like she did not want to hear the explanation. She's she just like, just, no, under no circumstances do you put your hands on my kid. Yeah, she was just pissed. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, whatever, grabbed the kid, took him to the backyard. And then now I'm sitting there like all awkward because I just got like, kind of yelled about mm-hmm. this lady and then I'm like but I wasn't in the wrong but I also feel like I understand what she's going through so so what's your question am I justified for doing what I did and telling him to stop in the way that I did no I don't think you are I because you're an adult you could have walked out of the room so yeah. it, it so you think that he should not have laid hands on the kid yeah okay first of all I, I wouldn't call it laying hands yeah, yeah. like I don't think that you I think the way if you were going to touch the kid I think the way you did it mm. pinning his hands down I think that was would have been appropriate I think it would have been more appropriate for you to walk out and find the kid's parents yes I also think that you were in a really difficult situation mm-hmm. with a kid that you didn't know who wasn't yours who was physically abusing you and the parent should have had a better eye but when in doubt you if you have the opportunity to stand up and leave the room and walk away from the kid it's annoying you have to change your what you're doing but that's the route you should go yeah you should have walked out and and told the mom what was going on because i mean yes there are kids who misbehave and there are also kids who have behavioral issues and you don't know what you're dealing with here so restraining a child that you don't know anything about could have some negative consequences. Mm. I it was Cassie's a hundred percent right. It was a really crappy situation for you to be in, um, especially since there was something physical going on. But it's a five year old, so I don't think you're going to get maimed in any way. I, I you should have excused yourself, gone and told the mom, "Hey, you need to check on your kid. He won't stop hitting me." I have no problem with what you did. If it was my kid that did that and you restrained him that way. I wouldn't put it on. I'd have no problem with it whatsoever. Like Zero. I'm not, I'm not mad at you mm-hmm. about it, because mm-hmm. um, it's it, like I said, it's a difficult situation to be in. Um, what do you think, Mel? I think you got punked by a five year old. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It doesn't sit right with my soul. That's kind of been a fun theme we've been playing with on the Burt Show lately, where you're getting something off your chest that's just not sitting right with you. Like when I threw a sick burn at Abby and then immediately felt bad, and she did the same thing to Kristen and also felt bad right away. Now, we're all good, and that was all in good fun, but sometimes you're not quite ready to confront your problems head on, and you need someone to talk to. And while we love talking to you guys about your drama, sometimes it's above our pay grade, and you need a professional to give you advice. I've been to therapy and there's something so freeing about unloading your problems on a therapist that has your back and you know is there to help you. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. The Burt Show. All right, so Mo has been getting paid what some think is a compliment, and he wants to set the record straight and let you know it certainly is not. Yeah, this uh, quote-unquote compliment really, really irritates me, and I've never said anything about it. It's something that I've been dealing with for, like, the last probably five years now, but I've always felt like it was such an ignorant statement that I've just never addressed it. I've never even thought to address it. But when it happened this past weekend on my video set, I addressed it, and it became somewhat of a heated moment because there was nowhere for me to go. Normally, when someone thinks they're complimenting me in this way, I'll just walk away from the conversation. But in this particular instance, when the guy said it, I decided today is the day. We're going to talk about it. And this bothers me like no other because there's this stigma, I guess, in the black community that's been this way for a very long time to where some black people, for whatever reason, feel like they're like somewhat of a gatekeeper of the litmus test of how black you are. And this has been like this for years to where if you speak a certain way, if you if you're articulate, they'll they'll say, oh, you you talk white as if. So being articulate is not representative of a black community. Like, you, you, you can't talk a certain way or if you dress a certain way. White people say this about black people or no, black, black people say people this, to, say black, this okay. to black people? Like, you're not black enough if you dress a certain way, if you act a certain way, if you do certain things. If you're not hood in certain areas, then all of a sudden you're not black. 
And in this particular instance, it wasn't that the guy was telling me that I wasn't black enough. He thought he was complimenting me because he was telling me that I was blacker than he anticipated I would be by meeting me in person. And this happens kind of often. So, like, if you can put us in the conversation, like, he, you're having, like, you're hanging out, and then he says, what to you? So we're sitting there, and he's like, um, I can tell something's on his mind. And he's like, he wants to say it. So finally, he's like, man, I got to be honest with you, Mo. I'm like, what's up, bro? He's like, uh, I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, I actually do listen to you. I, um, I'm, I think you're hilarious. I listen to the show. But he's like, in actually being around you in person, I got to admit, you're blacker than I thought you were. I'm looking at him. That like, might be a statement about us more than you. I wonder <laughs> why. Because well, even you said this when you came down for the interview. You said, "Do they even know that I'm black?" Because <laughs> it's a white cast mostly, right? But see, the thing is, that's my issue with. That's where this comes from. Mm. When people meet me, it's like um, you assume that I'm gonna be a certain kind of black guy because I'm on a white show. Ah, gotcha. As if being on a white show <laughs> takes away from my blackness somehow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so ignorant, mm. right, that when I it happens, I ignore it. it. It's so insulting. So in this case, it was the first time I decided, like, oh, no, let's dance. Like, let's, <laughs> let's actually, let's do this. So I looked at him, and I was like, what exactly does that mean? So he's like, nah, you know, I'm just saying I guess I didn't expect you to be. And then he didn't know what to say. Mm. He's like searching for the word. I'm like, to be what? And he's like, nah, I feel like you're taking it the wrong way. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh-huh. I'm taking it exactly how you're giving it. What, do, what are you trying to say? Like, what kind of black guy did you expect me to be? Because what's the difference in being black? So he's like, nah, I don't think. No, I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm hearing exactly what you're saying. What you're saying is because I'm on a white show, you feel like it would make me less black. He's like, that's not exactly what I'm saying. But I get this so much that I know it's exactly what you're saying. But now that I'm addressing it to, with you, now you out of words because you realize how ignorant the statement really is. So I, I asked him, I said, let me ask you something. You think because I'm on a bird show, right? If I get pulled over somewhere in the world, you think I'm not black? <laughs> you think they look in the car and go, oh, no, that's the black guy from the bird show. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs> if it was any other black guy, you'd be going to jail. <laughs> but you're not, right? Uh-huh. Like, you think when I grew up in school, you think I didn't get the racist jokes because they looked at my future and said, he's going to be on the bird show. <laughs> Where he's not going to get the racism. You really think that the experiences that you have had in life as a black man are going to be any different than mine because I joined a white show. That's what you believe. And I, he was just standing there like... Mm. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and I kind of felt bad in that moment because I didn't want to go that deep with him. But I have heard this so many times in the last few years, and I've ignored it. I've constantly ignored it just because of how ignorant it is. But in this particular moment, I just had time that day and decided let's get into it. And I feel like he felt the wrath that mm. I had been feeling for the last few years that I've heard it. And I'm so glad you did. Because for me, when somebody says it's almost like they're discrediting discrediting your blackness because you're on a white show. That's exactly what they're doing. And they don't want to admit that, but that's it. So I want to go a little deeper on this, you know, uh, in the interest of authenticity, right? Let's go 100% on this. Because you and Katie have told us before that um, when you're in a room filled with white people, you tend to act differently than you would in a room filled with black people. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And then the mo that I hear on your podcast sounds different than the mo that is in this room. Right. So where's the differentiation? Where I I, I think I understand where he might be coming from, but not really. I guess I'm just trying to get clarity on it. Well, that was that was a part of the conversation was he he did. He did say that. I forgot that he said that. I'm glad you mentioned that. He said something to the extent of, no, I mean, when, when, you, when I listen to the podcast and sometimes when I listen to the bird show, I hear two different people, which that annoys me as well, because most of that is content. It's not as if I come in here and, and attempt to be less black. It's just certain content I'm going to be more comfortable with, usually because it's coming from content that is relative to the black community. Like, I'm not going to sound as confident in things that I'm not, I don't know, or mm-hmm. I'm just not as knowledgeable on. So obviously it's going to sound different, but it really has nothing to do with my blackness. I mean, when you grow up black, yes, a lot of the times you are taught to behave a little different around white people. But when you go back to your community, you're still black. <laughs> it, it doesn't rub off. And then now you're, you're a certain different percentage of black. It's, it's the most foolish thing ever. And I had to, like, explain this to him. No different than when most black people go to work or really anyone goes to work. It's a little different than you are maybe with your family, with your friends, when you're in a different environment. But for some reason, 
black people have always felt like this. There was this imaginary litmus test of how black you are. And the moment you go to work and if you're on a white show, then you can't be as black as me. And I just never got it. I don't know where it comes from. I even remember one time this guy asked me if I wanted to do a comedy show. And he said, but I don't know if you'd be comfortable doing it. And I said, why? And he said, well, it's, it's like in an urban community. I'm like, what you, what? Like, what are you, what are you even trying to say? You don't think I can, like, be comfortable doing comedy for black people? <laughs> I've done comedy for black people my entire life, bro. I grew up in black neighborhoods around black people. But his mind told him that because I decided to join the bird show, I couldn't do black comedy. Or I couldn't do comedy. I couldn't be comfortable around black people. And I, I, I don't know where that mindset comes from. I guess it's the old uh, quote-unquote Oreo mindset. Well, they'll say you black on the outside, but white on the inside. So how you talk, where you work, how you dress, all of that plays a part in how black people accept you in your blackness. And I just really think it's the most foolish thing ever. So I checked in with Katie before this segment, and she assured me she's still black today. So I wanted to get her take on it also. <laughs> no, it's the exact same thing that Mo's saying. I've always been questioned when I tell people that I work for the bird shows. Like, what? You don't want to work with a black radio station? Like, it's it's common that black people will look at me differently and like what Mo said, the Oreo mindset, I'm black on the outside, but white on the inside type of thing. And it's not, it's not true. And same with goes for the podcast. I know for me personally on the podcast, I'm more open, but with you all, I don't code switch like I used to when I first started working here. Facts me either. Because now I'm comfortable. So <laughs> now I don't feel like I had to put on my news anchor voice. <laughs> <laughs> code switch is what it's called. All right. I so- hate that for both of you, though. Yeah, it, it's a thing. And um, it's. It's not really, it's not really all, it's not white people's fault, right? That's just something growing up, at least for me personally, it just was when you go in for a job interview, when you go around white people, you were always just taught to dial it back a little bit. Like, don't be too black. Don't keep it all the way real. Mm-hmm. Like, keep that inside. You got to code switch is exactly what it is. And Katie's absolutely right. And yeah, if you go back and listen to me before, I code switched, but now I don't do it anymore. There's so much about this whole conversation that, um, bothers me on a couple of different levels. Um, because what I really wanted with this show was to create, and in our industry, it's a, it's much more complex than that. You know, like, you have demographics for different shows. It doesn't matter if it's TV, doesn't matter if it's radio, it doesn't really matter if it's podcast, and we don't really admit it, but there are demographics that advertisers want, right? This show kind of mixed that, mixes that up a little bit, so it's a little unorthodox to begin with, and this is what I've always wanted for this show, is to have diversity in it. So we're doing the best we can with the amount of staff we have, but the most depressing thing that I think I heard from this whole conversation here as a guy that really would like to see better race relations in all areas, that black people questioning why you would want to be on a white show doesn't feel to me productive in, or doesn't make it real that we are really invested in just being people. You're right on that. And I think it's unfortunate that most of the time there are a lot of black people, and of course it's not all, but who see it as one I'd rather just stay away from white people. I don't want to be the person that actually goes into a white environment and actually tries to speak to the black struggle and educate upon the black struggle. They'll look at that person who does that as a token, as opposed to looking at them as somebody who's actually trying to be a trailblazer and trying to actually do something different. But for whatever reason, it's not always accepted that way. It's looked upon as like you stay on your side of the fence. They stay over there. We keep our experiences separate Instead of looking at it like that person is brave for going into that environment and into that situation and trying to do something different. Well, hell, I want to say this also on on white side, black side, Latino side also. If that's your attitude that we stay on one side and they stay, quote unquote, they stay on the other side, then you can't complain when things aren't equal and the relations aren't where you want them to be because you're part of the problem. I completely agree. And that's something that we have to face. But I don't it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Like in the beginning, it would get inside my mind of like, damn, is this true? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I not representing my culture right? But I'm at a place of being completely content and comfortable in my position. And I yeah, I I just felt like in that moment when when he said that to me. It was time to dance. Mm -hmm. I had time that day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a virtue. The Bert Show. All right, Allison here really needs our help. She's super stressed out because she hasn't spoken to her sister in four years. Is really pretty clueless on why. And 
can't get any answer. So she reached out to us to re- reach out to the sister to find out what the hell is going on. Hey, Allison. Hey, guys. Hi. Okay, so you needed some closure with your sister. We did reach out to her. We can have some results for you today, but you got to give us the origin story here. Okay, yeah. So it's been four years, and my sister has just totally cut me off. I mean, we haven't spoken. Um, I'm pretty sure she has me blocked because she's, you know, like I can't find her social media profiles or anything, so I'm pretty sure, like, She's blocked me from, like, all those platforms. Um, And, like, she comes home to visit, like, usually once a year around the holidays. And, like, she'll go and she'll see my parents and she'll see my family. But she will not reach out to me. And it's just, like, I I have no idea. Like, I haven't done anything. There was not, like, anything specific that happened. Like, that. it's just, it's been, like, since before the pandemic. And um, I just, you know, I know she listened to this show, so I was kind of hoping that maybe you guys could get to the bottom of, like, what happened? Like, what did I do? Like, what, you know, what what's going on? Four, four years is a very, very long time. Do your parents have any idea what's going on? Did you seek advice from them? Um, I did, actually. I have asked them a couple of times, like, hey, like, what's going on with Abigail? Like, how is she? Why, you know, why doesn't she want to talk to me? And they're, they just get really kind of standoffish. They, they don't seem to know, but they also really just don't seem to want to get involved at all. So something smell right here for me. So, I mean, cause you, you're just not in a healthy relationship and then all of a sudden you're not something had to have happened. Have you guys always been like close sisters or was there is it always adversarial did you guys not get along and she was there was one thing that she may say that was the final straw but you have no idea about uh, I really don't think so I mean like I feel like ever since we became adults like since we were like in our 20s and stuff that we got along a lot better than like when we were kids living in the same house and growing up and everything you know Um, I mean, I think we had like a normal childhood and had like, you know, like bickered a little bit as siblings, but, um, I, I really truly can't think of any specific thing that like was the definitive, you know, moment where she cut me off. You said that you guys, uh, since you became adults, you guys have had a a better relationship. So could it be something that, that stems from childhood and maybe she just felt like she dealt with it because she had to in the moment she didn't have to anymore. She decided to isolate herself. I mean, that just wouldn't make sense to me because it was like we've spent, you know, like, you know, our early 20s and our mid 20s, like we, you know, we would, we would hang out, you know, like our, our, our kids get along and, you know, I, I just don't understand why, you know, if there was something bothering her from long ago, like, you know, why she wouldn't have addressed that because we were, everything was fine, you know, and then it was just like, yeah, like about four years ago. And then I just haven't been able to get her on the phone. She doesn't return anything. So is she still connected as an aunt? You said you both have kids. So does she send your kids birthday cards or is it a complete cut off of the family? It, it's a complete cut off. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, I've got a brother that, that that's done this also. Uh, our childhood was so pain, <clears throat> so painful um, that he's cut off the entire family. doesn't talk to my mom, doesn't talk to me, doesn't talk to his full brother. Uh, just doesn't want anything to do with the past whatsoever. But it was a really, really rough childhood for him. And he just, as an adult, is like, I'm keeping it in my, my youth and I just don't want to deal with it. So, at least he's told us that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Allison, like, why at four years? Like, why at two years did you not, like, try to s- seek more answers or even at three years? Like, why now? Yeah, well, I kind of, like, yeah, I was just kind of shocked, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I reached out to my parents about it, and they were sort of like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Oh, you, you haven't seen her? Oh, okay, that's weird. You know, like, and now, like, it's just, like, time keeps passing. Yeah. And before and you like, know it, you're at four years. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just something doesn't seem right. Like I said, well, you don't go from it a. Doesn't. It's been four years. I mean, but, but, <laughs> but you just don't go from a healthy relationship and then not have any idea why the other sister won't speak to you or communicate to you yeah. at all with no indication, no major thing going on. Something doesn't. 
You guys are seeing the situation very, very mm-hmm. differently here, clearly. That's why, for me, it seems like something had must have been brewing, and maybe you just weren't aware of it. But I, for her to not speak to you or even the extended family of you for four years, it feels like it was something she was holding for a while. All right, we'll all get some answers here in just a couple of seconds, Allison. Uh, Tommy, our show director, you did reach out to Sis? Yes, I did. Okay, you got an answer? Yes, I do. We got answers, Allison. So give us like a couple of minutes here. When we come back, Tommy will tell you everything, all right? Okay. All right, it's the Burt Show. The Burt Show. It's got to be so hurtful and so confusing when a sister seemingly out of nowhere just cuts you off. Four years with no advance notice, no tension, no nothing. That's Allison here. She's our listener. Uh, That's her story that four years ago her sister just kind of cut her off, and she really has no idea why. Zero. We can't identify any kind of conflict that led up to it. She said that... They weren't adversarial. It wasn't a tense um, sisterhood or anything like that. It's just like, poof, out of nowhere. What's the longest everybody has gone without speaking to a sibling? Oh, damn, dude. Oh, you can't play. You can't play. You guys aren't going to beat me. Yeah. <laughs> mm. huh. um, mm. A month? Yeah. Max? I can't remember the last time I spoke to my brother. But I have a feeling after the last segment we did where I made fun of him, I'm going to be getting a call from him later today. Probably... Probably June, so like a month ago. Yeah. Month ago. Yeah, I would say a month, maybe two at the max. Yeah. How about you? About the same. Yeah. I mean, then you'll you'll realize how much time has passed because it, it like especially once you get kids involved and like you're just you look at the calendar and you're like, how did it become August? Um, uh, a decade flew by. <laughs> <laughs> flew right. By. Is it was it re- is it de- a decade? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it might have been longer than that. Yeah, my yeah. mom did a number on all of us. I know she did. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, me and the middle brother hadn't talked 15 years. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I went like a year and a half one time. Did yeah. you really? Mm-hmm. Why? Cuz he was deployed. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't count that. If that's the case, then I'm in the same boat as you, Tommy. <laughs> All right, so Allison reached out to us, and she's like, hey, can you guys at least contact my sister and try to give me some kind of idea why she's not talking to me anymore? So we put this in our show director studio, our show director Tommy's hands, and he did the legwork on this, Allison, and he can take it from here. All right. Okay. So I reached out to your sister, Abigail, and it, I'll tell you, it did take some convincing but she finally did agree to respond with the reason for your estrangement. And you may not see things the same way as she does. She says it's such a difficult and personal situation. However, I'm kind of surprised she's asked or even cares that she doesn't have a relationship with me. Growing up, Allison wasn't just mean to me. I was essentially bullied by her. She made fun of me both at home and at school And it was more than just typical sister fighting. I've carried those feelings with me all these years. And though I tried to put those feelings behind, I never really got over it. We both tried to be civil as adults, but I'd still catch glimpses of the bully I knew her to be as a child. When our daughters were 8 and 10, I saw the same dynamic happening between them at Christmas. Her daughter was treating mine the same way Allison treated me. That's when I realized that I needed to protect my daughter from this repeating pattern. I didn't want my daughter to go through what I went through, and I knew I had to keep our distance. Obviously, I still have unresolved feelings about how Allison treated me. So, the decision to cut ties wasn't made lightly, but I believe it's in my best interest and my daughter's. So, there you have it. That's heavy, Allison. Yeah, there's a lot of layers here. Initially, what are you thinking? Wow. I mean, I just, I feel like that's really, that's not fair. I mean, how how I acted when I was a kid and then we're adults having this relationship and then suddenly no communication and just, I mean, that's just, I I feel like if she would speak with me, we could maybe work this out. Like if she would have given me a chance to, to resolve this. I mean, it just sounds like she just like, shut up like just suddenly shut down like that's that's not fair that's not that's not a relationship like you're right it's not fair um it's really really not fair she is dealing with unresolved issues from your guys youth 
She sees your youth very, very differently. And it's triggering for her, it sounds like, when she sees her daughters going through the same thing with your daughters. So she's protecting her kid in her mind. She's protecting her kids from the same kind of pain that she went through. And she's also reliving the pain of your guy's past whenever she sees that. Now, the truth is she should have said something to you. I mean, on a bunch of different levels, like, hey, your kids are treating my kids this way, or blah, 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 blah. There should have been something other than a complete cutoff. Well, was there ever conversations, Allison, that she had about the way you treated her? I mean, not really. I mean, a, a little bit, like, when you know, when we turned 21 and we started drinking and we, you know, started, like, kind of rehashing stuff from the past, you know, and we kind of just like cheers and we're glad that we were sort of out of that period of our lives. And I mean, like, like the like our daughters, like you can't keep your kid in a bubble. I mean, like that's, that's part of childhood. Like she needs to be able to interact with other kids. And I mean, if my kid was like a little bit aggressive, you know, then she needs to learn how to stand up for herself, not just like not see her family or not see people that she has a conflict with. And I think you just lost everybody who was on your side. Because here's the thing. What your sister did to you, cutting you off with no explanation and never talking to you in all the years of your life about how she felt bullied by you is BS. And I'm angry on your behalf because that is not fair and you're blindsided. Your sister's feelings can be valid, but it can also be true that that wasn't how the right way to teach you. But here's the thing. If you want a relationship with your sister, you are going to have to take accountability and you can't lash out angrily over what she did to you. If I were in your position, I would see if she would be willing to come to a couples counseling session with me where we could talk about all of these things under a monitored by a professional environment and she can actually hash out everything and then you can respond in that closed setting and start repairing your relationship but it sounds like she was trying to protect her kid. She has these feelings of what she went through as a, as a child, and she buried them, continued to have a relationship, and then she saw it playing out with her child, knowing how it affected her. She removed her child from what she saw was a toxic situation. That's on both of you. You can't bubble wrap your kid. You're totally right. But she got her out of a bad situation, and it's also on you to notice, like, hey, it's hard feedback, but if your kid's being aggressive... That's a conversation you as a parent need to have as well. And I know that's hard to hear. Like the fact, Allison, instead of taking accountability, you automatically like blamed her for not like parenting better. That kind of spoke volumes to me. Here is uh, Christy that wants in on this. Hey, Christy. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank so, you. So I probably missed some of the conversation because I was talking to just Romeo. <laughs> because the first thing that I uh, heard was that immediately made me call was when she heard the news is that she, her go-to was blaming the sister. Mm. And so uh, as the child of a narcissistic mother, I have spent my entire, well, since I found, I'm 58 years old. I just found out that my mother's a narcissist. Thank you, TikTok. Because I I thought that that was just life. That's the way it was. I'm an only child. I didn't have anybody else to go to. And so, and I always wondered why she didn't like me. And so now I know. And so the other thing is, is that you can, a narcissist will never, ever accept responsibility for anything they do. I'm not saying this girl's a narcissist. I've only been on TikTok two years. (laughs) But I've got to think, though, that that's kind of where this is headed because she didn't want to take responsibility. It was automatically lashing out at the sister. And there's no way that girl didn't know that her sister felt that way growing up. Chrissy, I appreciate you listening. Thank you. Um, Look, Allison, you got a lot to chew on here. How you handle this with your sister is your business, but now you know where she's coming from. Wow. Thanks, you guys. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. (laughs) Thanks Thanks so much. You wanted answers. You got answers. All right. The Burt Show. All right, Abby is back in therapy. (laughs) God, it never ends, right? There's just new problems that are just constantly coming back. It's like a boomerang. It's like once you think you've defeated it, it's just like comes right back at you. Mm -hmm. What's your boomerang sound like again? (laughs) 
<laughs> that's how it feels in my mind. That's just like what my anxiety manifests as. It's mm-hmm. just like, that's the, that sounds like one of those stars that they use in movies to kill each other when they throw them across the room. Yeah. <laughs> the boomerang has like an engine. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was a water sprinkler. <laughs> that's how it feels sometimes. Just constantly just get hit in the face with my anxiety water sprinkler. <laughs> And <laughs> the last time we talked to you about this, you were feeling insecure because you thought you got ghosted by your therapist. Yeah. I she met, didn't think she did. Yeah, I did it for a hot second. And this isn't totally abnormal. She's a busy gal. As me and Cassie have commiserated, like I have, I, I mean, I have problems. Like I don't think anybody would deny that I, that these are issues, but they're like basic white girl problems. You know what I mean? Like I'm dealing with anxiety and, and basic things while she literally has a day job where she's dealing with people who are incarcerated and have like serious issues. And so when she goes a couple days without talking to me, I always feel like I'm getting ghosted, but I think she really is just super busy. But that's a dangerous path to go down. You should never diminish your problems just because somebody out there has it worse than you. There's always going to be somebody out there that's going to have it tougher, that's going to have it worse. Yes, there are some. We distinguish between what's an inconvenience and what's a problem. But anxiety is not an inconvenience. That is a problem. And and I totally agree with that. And that's sort of my self-deprecating way of being like, I get it. She's a busy girl and she's got a lot going on. So last week I was sitting here and I was sort of sitting in this big pool of anxiety of stuff that's come up since I've moved to Atlanta. Sent her a text. A couple days went by. I didn't hear from her. And I was like, gotta find a new therapist. She finally got back with me and we ended up talking on Monday. And what we talked about was some issues that have come up since moving to Atlanta. And normally moving to a new city, like there's a lot of new energy. Mm-hmm. And in the, when I've moved... It's normally been for short periods of times. Like every summer I would intern in a different city. You were in NYC. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that. I know. New York, Austin. I lived in Barcelona for a little bit. And so moving to new places is not like a new thing for me. I usually handle it very well. Yeah, it must be handling the disappointment. Those are awesome cities you just like <laughs> rattled off. <laughs> it's been good to me. These basic white girl problems are really starting to show their true values. <laughs> Do you see what I'm trying to say here? I get it, Abby. Do you see what I'm trying I'm to say? I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, And so this has been my first big permanent move since college. And when I moved to college, a lot of the problems that I've been dealing with, I honestly honestly felt like I just sort of dealt with with alcohol. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you feel a little bit of anxiety. You just go to your local frat party. You get some skull and you funnel it down (laughs) and it's fine. Not very healthy, right? Now I'm an adult. Now I actually have to face my problems head on. And what I've been struggling with since moving to Atlanta that surprised me is a lot of my social anxiety has come back. I I think it's kind of shocking because we're in a very social field. So clearly I've made the right decision mm-hmm. with somebody who has social anxiety. It's actually really common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy sitting look, right look, next, next to you. To you. <laughs> 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 I'm the poster boy of having social anxiety and choosing this career. I know. So I, I had really bad social anxiety in high school and I think a lot of people thought I was like a snob growing up because I would just kind of like keep to myself and not really like interact with people and I really struggled with that until college when I became like the social butterfly, but I think a lot of it had to do with like, you know, going out and having a couple drinks and feeling, you know, fun, flirty, frisky. And now I realize I'm like an adult in a lot of these really scary social situations like meeting new coworkers and meeting new friends and meeting new guys. All these tend to be problems I can't really mask. And I wanted to handle it like an adult and go back to therapy and actually talk about it. So I took that first step this week. Good for you. I know. I feel so responsible. (laughs) Look at me. Has it um, calmed you down at all or given you any kind of peace, I guess I should say, at all? I mean, it's only a first session in a while. Yeah, I think I was a little disappointed, admittedly, because I think I thought I would log on to therapy. I do online therapy. um, And I think I thought she would have like this magic like trick to like make me feel better because a lot of my problems are physical. They're not necessarily like thoughts that I'm having. I just sort of tend to clam up and sweat over here. And what I realized what has, what therapy more about, what what therapy does more for me is actually just having an outlet to hear myself process it. Like I'll talk about it and I'll sort of have these revelations in my mm-hmm. mind of, oh, I feel like that because of this. And just sort of having like a bouncing board to go off of. Mm-hmm. So I've been seeing a new therapist now for two weeks and it's mostly been like family history stuff. We haven't gotten to the root or how I'm going to fix what is going on in my head and my heart. But just talking about it has put me in the most awesome mood just to get it out of my head and speak to somebody about it has 
just changed my mood entirely. Yeah. And it's also really nice to have someone to validate what you're going through because like you've just heard, I tend to kind of self-deprecate and Mm -hmm. diminish my problems and having someone go like, it's actually really normal that you feel that way. Like you're not, you're not crazy for feeling that way. So it's been helpful. Is it, um, is it weird to hear like some say, like I I heard the words just come out of my mouth. It's so nice to be able to talk to somebody about it when I have a fiance, Mm -hmm. right? Or you have a husband Mm -hmm. or a girlfriend or whatever, but there is something different about sharing that with somebody in therapy than it is the most important person in your life or no? No, it is um, because I care about what Bart thinks about me. And so I know I can be my, and not that I'm not unfiltered around my husband because I am, but there is something, because this is, while it's not a stranger, you know them, they're not in your life every single day, and you know their role as far as hearing you out, not passing judgment, because, I mean, and that's what is comforting for me. I know I can go in there, say whatever, mm-hmm. however I say it, and I'm not going to get judged for it, because they're going to say it, see it from a psychological standpoint. I know for me, it's a is having social anxiety and speaking to like a friend or a family member. I think that's a piece of it is the, the judgment in it, and it's almost as if they are uh, attempting to help you. Whereas, like uh, doing therapy and me doing my podcast is kind of similar because mm-hmm. I'm really just talking and I'm not necessarily looking for an answer. I'm just expressing myself, and then as you express yourself, you kind of almost answer a lot of the questions you have in just the thought-provoking things that come to you from just talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, to, to be fair, to give my husband a shout-out, there were things he had been telling me for years that I never listened to, but then my therapist told me, and I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like pick up your clothes? <laughs> Something like that. And <laughs> and he, I would come home with some of these revelations, and he would be like, you know, I've been saying this for years. I go, yeah, but for some reason, when it comes from her, it's just different. Right. <laughs> when I'm paying for it, there's so much more credibility. <laughs> The Bird Show.